Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders and business owners with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. As a consultancy, we're here to help SMEs build resilient, high-performing teams and businesses quickly so they can innovate, deliver and thrive. If you would like to build a resilient team and business that creates, innovates and delivers, then do get in touch at julianrobertsconsulting.com. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, Today, or to this episode, is a special episode. It's my 100th episode on the podcast, and I'm really excited and uh, really pleased I've got so far. Uh, I don't think I had the intentions of doing 100, but here we are, uh, a platform to help organisations thrive, bringing on guests with their wisdom and their passion to really share and help people uh, with that. Um, So I am thankful for all those guests. They have uh, showed and poured out huge amounts of wisdom and passion to really help organizations thrive like yourself. Um, and also to the listeners, uh, you're listening and tuning in right now, and you download the episodes. Uh, I really do appreciate your support. And so to mark this momentous uh, milestone, I've decided to do a, a, a sort of invite five guests back uh, to have a multi-guest show, um, probably stretching my capabilities of, of handling the show, but um here we go, but I'm going to hopefully provide you with loads of inspiration and insight to help you uh, at your organization thrive. So my first guest is uh, Kerry Davis-Munro. Uh, welcome back, Kerry. Oh, it's fantastic to be here, Julian. I'm really privileged and delighted to be a part of the 100th show with you today. Well, it's good that you came back. I think you are my, might have been the second or third episode right back uh, when you believed that this could go somewhere, that was 18 months ago. So uh, I, I really appreciate you, you're back here today. Uh, I just let the audience know that you're an organisation wellbeing, food and behavioural coach, and also the author of the book Eat, Nourish, Flourish. So what we've been looking at is is wellbeing. Wellbeing has been a, a topic, I know it's very close to your heart. I think if I break you in two, you'd be well-being we're running through you um but it's also been a topic over the last two years of this pandemic um in a good way and in a bad way and so i wanted just to give some thought to what you've observed in the last two years from a organizational point of view uh, and from a, a well-being point of view yeah, I mean, you know, if I used to talk about well-being needing to be top of the agenda five years ago, my goodness me, in the last two years, am I talking about it needing to be top of the agenda? Um, I'm lucky enough to go into a variety of organisations, you know, in size, um, number of different demographics. And, you know, there's a context, Julian. The last two years have been um, exceptionally different and difficult for so many people. And organizations have had to adapt and are having to adapt and will have to adapt around that. Because, you know, when I speak to people and the same as you, when we coach people one to one, when I go and do uh, group training or group coaching, I am seeing that people are fragile. We've had over two years now of us almost being in um, the equivalent of an abusive relationship where we're told we can do things, we can't do things. We're allowed to go places. We're not allowed to go places. And people have had to draw on all of their resilience in order to to even sort of keep going. Um, And something I discuss a lot with Will Merthyr, who I I do some um, sessions with, we've we've seen something called uh, a trauma brain or post-pandemic stress disorder, um, Mm -hmm. whereby people are exhibiting lots of the symptoms. If you look up uh, PTSD as a 17-symptom readout, even the most resilient of people are exhibiting some of those symptoms. And that is because we have been through this, you know, quite ridiculous time um, where we have literally not been able to come inside and control what we can control. We've been pulled in different directions. Um, it's interesting, the- to just to, sorry, just interesting to frame it yeah. as that PTSD, actually, because I think we've all been through some traumatic thing, a small way, big way. And it's not just about your restrictions, but it's just that whole, I guess, mental health and the expectation to be resilient and all these things we keep throwing onto people, actually framing like that, because it's been going on for a long time. We're We're coming up two years. 
a long, long time. And you know what? I'm going to read you something which I think is really apt. This is the Workplace Health Report 2022. These, these are the stats. Half of all workers feel fatigued. 25 to 34 are disproportionately affected by anxiety and depression. Female employees are three times more likely to seek mental help. Over half of employees are experiencing musculoskeletal pain and 94%, this is what employees should be listening to, 94% of employees are, motiv are motivated to make a change. So people have had enough, Julian. One good thing this pandemic has done is the sort of this, this abusive situation has caused people to question where they are and to realize that actually in workplaces, in relationships, wherever they are in life, in, in their different points of life and different aspects of life, to make some changes. So they've had enough of the narrative. They've had enough of the hypocrisy. And we are seeing this filtered down into different areas of their life. And it's caused people to question what they do and why they do it. So amidst this disillusionment is this unrest bubbling and, you know, this real need for change. So sort of the backdrop of that, and it's a great sort of setup really in terms of the context we're in. Um, if you're leading an organisation now, and, and I'm not just talking the sort of the transactional aspects of well-being, what what sort of and that's not putting the fruit out and the gym membership yeah yeah okay yeah. that's that's okay and i feel that's really transactional and for me i think what's taught me about this whole pandemic is to do things more transformational and and, and significant changes that are not just adaptions let's go beyond adaption so as a leader now an organization what i think considerations we should be thinking about to um i guess look after the well-being of our staff because we know we look after the well-being of our staff then it will start to drive productivity and therefore deliver sales and profits and everything else that comes with that. Yeah, well, we know that employees who feel absolutely cared for at work are more than three times likely to be happy at work. So that directs, direct, you know, translates directly into the bottom line. And, uh, you know, I, I don't feel any longer that we're having conversations with leaders to say, look, and explain what this does. I believe leaders now know, you know, although I'm asked to provide the return on investments, inve investment, etc. But we know the sort of likelihood has increased over 35%, you know, through this pandemic. So when we see what's happening in the circles of, I call, a sort of out of our control, whatever our government are doing, saying, and we know that there's such hypocrisy, what they want from their leaders is the opposite. They want strong, honest, and open leadership. They want clear communication. Um, they want sensitivity. My goodness me, we've been through so much. People have been through so much. They need leaders to be sensitive to them um, and they need to be listened to. So a well-being program isn't, as you say, just implementing this quickly, that quickly, getting this in, getting that. It's a comprehensive strategic approach that needs to be brought in. And it encompasses the culture of that organization, Julian, because all of us are not only thinking about how we work right now, but we're thinking about why we work. Mm -hmm. And if employers aren't thinking about this, you know, it's called the great reshuffle. That's what the data is showing us. Um, and people are not fulfilled. So this is what I would say would be the top things. They have to replace this sort of work hard hustling work late culture that we've seen over the last 10 to 15 years with a strategic and comprehensive well-being and cultural strategy which filters down into every single area of HR and you know my background is HR it has to filter into everything from recruitment to that leaving interview so that we understand the full picture and can get a full temperature of what's going on without that within that organization um, you know, I was going to say within um, LinkedIn, they've been doing um, a, a real uh, insight piece into what's going on. And they said on LinkedIn, members change jobs 54% more year on year. So employees are in the driver's seat. So first of all, replace that work hard culture with honest, open communication and linking things like diversity inclusion is coming up top at the moment, Julian. So that has to be incorporated into those seven dimensions of well-being. It's interesting Does, on that, that sorry, that work hard sort yeah. of play or work hard, play hard mindset, which is just a, a nonce really, is I've been talking mm. to a lot of organizations about getting more about 
forget about productivity in a sense look about results based you know if somebody can do something in six hours then great why should they have to stay to eight nine ten hours that's brilliant look for the result look for the outcome and you know just as you and i when we go into organizations we're based on our outcomes on our results absolutely <laughs> not how many hours we work or anything else and it, it's just shifting that mindset isn't it what are you trying to get out of this individual in terms of what, what is the result what's the kpi if it's measurable just focus on that don't worry about the how they're going to do it obviously support them and, and obviously don't create a structure that's all about working hard but actually make it results based Absolutely. And trust people. You know, we are going back to this, you know, my point three here and what um, what should be the focus in 2022. Leaders should think about upgrading the hybrid workplace. That's listening to people. Oh, my goodness me, they went from working in an office to working at home from day to day. Trust them to get the job done. Then if they don't, manage it. But my goodness me, we've got to listen to people and what they want and what they want out of this hybrid working because they've proved they can work at home. You can't just force people back into situations where you can, but you will lose out. And when we did force people back in September, there was an absolute spike in burnout and a dip in happiness, the data shows, Julian. So from September to now, there's been a difference. And that's because we've had to go back to this more of a, you know, work from home environment. So leaders need to hear that and also think about the internal mobility um, and transformation, moving the talent around an organization. This comes out as top for leaders in 2022 to really understand how to grow people, how to restructure organization to facilitate the well-being that relies on people's growth and their mindset um, and being motivated, Julian, and, and happy to work for that business. Yeah, and it, it comes down to this this style of leadership, whether it's uh, elements of role modeling, which is really important because obviously that, that sort of demonstrates what we're expectations, uh, but that whole listening. Um, if I was to ask you, uh, just before we, we close, I know this has gone really short, uh, Kerry, because um, I'm, I'm, we're getting 10 minutes or so of each yeah, uh, inspiration. If, if I was to ask you, what one word would describe your the future of 2022 or the expectations? Uh, just, just to give an example, my, my, my word is, is, is agility. I think this year is all about being agile, not about resilience, but about being agile and moving around and allowing people to really go after things really quickly. Uh, what would be your word in the context of what you operate in? I guess, um, you know, a, a, apart from well-being, obviously, I guess for people, what I'm seeing, as I said, this is the great reshuffle. People are no longer just uh, just thinking about how they work, but why they work. So my word would be fulfillment. People aren't happy just to be any longer. They're looking for yeah. fulfillment and looking to be looking for a better way of life, you know, whether that's through health, whether that's through work, well-being, but fulfillment. Brilliant. I like that. That's a really good word, actually. That really sums it up. Well, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you for your uh, wisdom. Pleasure. Thank you for um, packing so much in, as you always do. <laughs> and uh, I will see you another time, I'm sure. Yeah, wonderful to be with you today, Julian. Thank you so much for having me back. Thank you, Kerry. Thank you. And now I would like to, uh, as smoothly as that was done, I'm almost impressed with myself, Mark. Uh, welcome, Mark Roberts, um, to the to the conversation. Good to see you, Mark. Good to see you. Congratulations on your hundredth episode. Thank you, thank you, uh, much appreciated, and uh, thanks for you for being on the, the early episodes, the ones who sort of believed in me and um, took a punt, as it were, and came along, which is great. Um, I'll just tell the audience a little bit about you again, just to sort of get you people up to speed with you. You help business leaders improve sales results, uh, and you're in essence a business development coach. Uh, you work and to help uh, businesses grow from a sales perspective. And I just want to. We're going from different topics here, from well-being now to more sort of sales. But it it all it's all understanding what's going on in a business and how we can help organisations thrive. Um, I'd like to get your thoughts, uh, Mark, in terms of. What we what have we learned about how customers have changed uh, over the last sort of couple of years? What, what's your understanding? What's your, I guess, your insights and your experience of that? Well, again, thank you for having me on. And um, part of our practice is we do voice of customer research, and what we're finding is, you know, customers 
are not wanting what we've traditionally had, which is the salesperson that is the expert in just product and application. What they want is that trusted advisor, that's somebody who you know, can share things that is not on a website. Um, and the burden is on us in sales as sales leaders to help equip and empower our teams to have those conversations. Um, the data is also showing, which a lot of marketers will not like, is there's been a shift from brand loyalty um, to efficiency. Um, we, you know, we've, we've seen a tremendous amount of disruption in supply chain, and that's also impacting buyer decisions. And once fiercely loyal uh, buyers to specific brands are now being introduced to brands out of necessity that are okay, uh, they're doing the job. So, you know, uh, your prior guest talked about the great reshuffle. Um, we're seeing a reshuffle in how buyers buy. And where are you getting this data from? Where's your data source? Uh, we do voice of customer research for our clients. Uh, we interview our, our clients, customers, anywhere from 100 to 200. Uh, one project, we interviewed 1,200 of their customers. And we ask them very specific questions. Um, as you can imagine, everybody listening can say their business changed a lot in the last two years. But what about your customers? How has their business changed? And that's what people are, are hiring our team to answer for them. And we ask a lot of things about customer satisfaction, how they shop, why they shop, what buyer criteria are they looking for? Um, interesting in net promoter score, something you might find interesting, the leading indicator on whether or not they would refer your company to another company is your culture. Interesting. And it's interesting because I think customers are looking on their suppliers as you say, not just from a, oh, can they supply me this and, and do it in a good time, a good cost. They're actually going up the chain a bit more about your, you know, uh, your culture, your ethical stance, your environmental, the whole host of stuff going on, isn't now in terms of people exploring and mining for more information. Of the, is this a credible organization to work with? Well, we're seeing, I think it was a Harvard uh, report that 45% um, of buyers are struggling with supply chain right now. So it's not surprising they're investigating new companies, new sources. But what is surprising when we look at the data is how much they're investigating, not just the company, but they're like um, they're going onto LinkedIn and they're seeing, do I even wanna work with this individual? They're actually going to Glassdoor. What have past employees said about working with this company? Um, it's pretty fascinating to see you know, what they're looking for is that trusted relationship, somebody that they can count on, somebody that'll give them insights, somebody that'll help their bottom line. Um, and teams that haven't adjusted uh, to that new need are kind of on the outside looking in, they're just pitching. Um, so again, there's been a pretty big shift, uh, just like what we talked about, I think on, the, on a phone call recently, you know, the shift in how we lead our teams has changed. You figure millennials now are 40, um, boomers like me, we continue to, you know, get older and older. Um, but what, what the millennials are expecting, not wanting, but expecting is, um, a coach, not a manager. Yeah. So what's kept my practice very busy is helping sales leaders evolve from being sales managers to being coaches. And it's not something that we were ever taught. So it is trainable, but if we don't, you're going to see um, cust uh, client your employees become disengaged and leave. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting because obviously I'm getting more used as, as obviously I'm a coach, but also we're just going back to the point of uh, the whole transparency piece where more and more people are going to LinkedIn before they engage with that you know, a supplier to find about more about their people and what they're posting. And that's a whole personal branding. I know it's a, bit of a cliche thing about personal branding, but actually it's really important, isn't it? Because it's it's the whole piece now people are looking at. It's not just your website. It's not just the conversation you're having. Actually, the way we portray ourselves on social media has an impact, doesn't it? Whether we do it in a fake way or in a real way, but whatever we put out there will have an impact, won't it? Well, it's critical. And, you know, we need to make sure that our employees understand that. Um, when I work with different teams, different age groups, 
the younger employees, the millennials, they totally understand the need for social. Um, how they're portrayed socially, though, they need to be coached. Um, you know, how they take stance on particular issues. Um, and then also, how do they reinforce their brand on who they want to be known as on LinkedIn? Um, but buyers are, are, are reading all these things. So, you know, the best advice in the world is probably one you would give your, you know, 13-year-old child, which is don't ever put anything out there that could be used against you, right? Um, <laughs> but put things out there that reinforce who you are. Uh, people still want to work with people, even if we're working virtually. I think it was a McKinsey study that said um, 83% of decision makers said we expect virtual human-to-human -human interaction to continue. So we need to adapt. You know, mm -hmm. how do we build relationships virtually? How do we, you know, um, nurture those relationships virtually with our customers, but also mm -hmm. with our teams? So as we look forward in this sort of 2022 and, and thinking about leaders of organizations, what's your one sort of thought or strategy they should be employing to help, I suppose, their, their sales department to think more about their customer and start to help grow their business in this sort of new context? I, my, my first um, advice would be understand your current state. Chances are the leadership team already has their plan for 2022. And the challenge, though, is a lot of times I see very frustrated senior leaders after a year wondering what happened. We had a great plan. Um, assess your team. Where are they strong? Uh, where are there some gaps that maybe could prevent them from executing um, your plan? And then close those gaps. Um, you can do that with you know, assessing your team but you can also do it with voice of customer research. Make sure that your strategy is in alignment with how your customers want to be treated. So I, again, I, I'm known as the data-driven sales guy. Um, start with the data. You know, don't let bias, don't let you know how we've always done things around here, how my grandfather did things in our business sway you. There's plenty of data out there, and if you don't have it, get it. And then make your plans based on data, not on gut and intuition anymore. That's really good advice. I think I think a lot of salespeople in the past have been very much um, in the moment type of thinking, as opposed to data driven and insight driven. Uh, I think it's important uh, in this day and age to be so because there's so much out there to get hold of data. You know, you, you do surveys, but in terms of lots of organisations do lots of data capture that can really help organisations uh, to be more uh, agile in terms of the organisation, how they go through in terms of from a sales perspective. Um, thank you for coming back, Mark. Really appreciate it. Um, always valuable. Have your uh, your insights. Um, yeah. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. And again, I look forward to being on your 200th episode. <laughs> study on now right i will now swiftly change you from uh from you to, to to cheryl now so i'm gonna bring cheryl dixon on good afternoon or good morning to you uh cheryl good morning julian happy 100 uh thank you very much uh yes who could have believed it i'd, I'd get this far i didn't anyway <laughs> so <laughs> it's good uh thank you for coming back uh, really do appreciate it. Um, so I'm just going to tell the audience again to refresh people. Uh, you, you had an episode a while back now, but uh, you are a communication strategy consultant. Uh, you're an expert in internal and external communication, along with crisis and corporate communication. So you're all things communication. I mean, if I think of word communication, I think of you. That's what you, you do, and you're very good at it. And I remember we had a very good conversation last time. Um, so... It'd be interesting, you know, we've had a an interesting two years and we know communication has been vital for lots of changes, lots of uncertainty and, you know, hybrid, remote working, all host stuff been going on and it's all a bit of a hold up in the air. And um, some people have communicated well, some haven't and not so well. Um, I just wanted to capture your thoughts on the last two years in terms of what you've observed, what you've picked up and thought that's really interesting or that's not so good. And just, just, yeah, just your thoughts really. Sure. Um, so yeah, in the past two years, it's kind of like, we don't know where to look first. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, I've heard a lot of conversation already this morning about the importance of well-being 
And I think that that is absolutely on everyone's minds and should be on leaders' minds. But if you look at all of the factors that are influencing how leaders need to communicate internally, as well as their expectations of communicating externally. So we're looking at a couple of different buckets that we need to be very cognizant of. You know, one is certainly managing the remote work environment and um, managing and driving culture. Um, You know, I think it was uh, someone else mentioned this morning about the importance of Glassdoor and people researching companies. Um, If you if you're not watching what's being said on Glassdoor, if you're not watching and observing and being very acutely aware of what's going on in your organizations uh, and your culture, you're missing the mark. Uh, You know, we're also looking at, um, you know, leaders that are increasingly being expected to comment or have a position or presence on uh, governmental issues or societal issues, you know, whether they're making a, if they're taking a stand or, um, you know, mentioning just their their vision, their um, their expectations for DE&I or just even something having nothing to do with their company. And then finally, you know, the way that crises and uh, issues are just hitting companies one after the other. I mean, it's such a volatile environment, you know, preparing for and expecting the unexpected has just never been more important. Yeah, and it's interesting, the cultural piece, you know, mm-hmm. we know that culture is important in an organization. We know creating the right culture and the right environment. And mm-hmm. we've all been flung around the world and mm-hmm. home, hybrid, and it's still a bit quite tricky. I deal with a lot of organizations, certainly when they're, they're, they're growing, how do you maintain that, that culture? But how do you do that in the context we're in? I mean, what what's your experience? What are your thoughts on 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 from a communication point of view to, to drive that? Because it's really important, but sure. it can be quite tricky when it's not as tangible as it used to be, is it? It's a lot more mm-hmm. fluid. It is a lot more fluid, and you know, I, I go back to the importance of listening. And you know, Carrie said that uh, earlier this morning that you know there really needs to be a very personal, hands-on touch with what's going on in the in the organization. There needs to be a communication flow up to leaders as well as that communication flow down. You know, I think that we've had practice already in understanding the importance of and communicating the why. Um, Another brilliant thought from, I think it was Carrie this morning, not just how we work, but why we work. You know, the next generation of workers, they're expecting the why. They want to be part of it. They want to understand their part to the whole. So we should have already had some practice. Um, But in terms overall of culture and the importance of communication, I think that, you know, we're, we're at a disadvantage but also we have a bit of an advantage with um, virtual. You know, there was, um, it, we need to also think about the channels in which we're communicating. And uh, there was a recent Ipsos um, culture report that was evaluating the different channels that leaders used and the believability uh, for employees. And, you know, the I've never been a fan of recorded videos. They're too produced. They're too, um, they're too stoic. They don't allow for engagement back and forth. And, you know, th- those are kind of viewed as less effective. I think that personal visits as best you can, small group chats, Zoom, as long as you're not firing 900 people over Zoom. Uh, (laughs) That's a big oopsie. Um, But, you know, using that advantage of a little more um, informal ways of working um, and making sure that there's just, you know, just like a customer service environment, it's high touch. Yes. And I I guess rather than looking at it either in terms of the challenges we've had, what can you see, and you, you've touched on the, on some of the benefit, what other benefits have we transitioned to? Because it's almost been a bit of a, a reset on the world and how we work, how we operate. And rather than us looking back how it used to be, this is how it is. And what, what are the ways that we can embrace it and really m- make the most of it, this sort of reset, this transition, this, this step change uh, in organisations to really be even more incredible in terms of how we communicate our culture, our our plans and our strategies. What are your thoughts on that? Sure. Well, I think, you know, communication is only as good as the actual 
actions and beliefs and foundation um, that we're communicating about. So, you know, there was talk earlier, a, a lot of attention about well-being. And I think that, you know, as a culture <clears throat> and as a business culture, we are given more permission. There's the expectation, but more permission to really care about and talk about well-being and what that means for, you know, employees across the board and, and globally. You know, uh, in my class at Columbia, you know, I was teaching communications and global brands. And that came up a lot this past semester. And we were talking about what well-being and what societal priorities uh, impact you know, companies around the world. It might be different from a company that's based in the U.S. and, and, and based abroad. But, um, and there was another uh, interesting study from Towers Watson, I think. It was um, the different facets of well-being. And uh, we're looking at, you know, emotional well-being, the physical well-being, taking care of our employees and their, their new needs, um, the mm -hmm. mental health um, and taking care of your mental health, self-care is, you know, I think once stigmatized and now it really is brought to the forefront. Um, and then social and financial. So how are we really taking care of our people? Are we doing it authentically? And um, are we giving a genuine effort to support them? And I guess what you're saying there is that actually it's not almost what we're communicating and how we're communicating. It's it's where that the, where the source of it, or where the what the well of that that communication isn't it? In terms of is it from a, a well-being culture? Is it from a certain beliefs, certain uh, characteristics that that make it impactful and important? I guess that's what we're talking about here, aren't we? Sure. Well, I mean, you can have a charismatic leader and a communication expert that can put lipstick on a pig. Um, you can. You can <laughs> Um, you can put window dressing and spin a story on anything, but you're going to get found out. Um, I think that, you know, there's so much more transparency. There's an expectation of authenticity that um, that's not going to work anymore. So well-produced statements, you know, um, well-polished leaders that are saying, you know, reading from a script that either you know, their communications leaders or human resources leaders are, are telling them to say, but if that's not backed up and that's not believed throughout the organization, you know, the employees are the most important brand ambassadors and the most credible brand ambassadors. So a leader could be saying one thing, the employees can be saying another, and there you have this disconnect and discord. So it truly does need to be from the bottom up as well as from the top down. Okay, and so, so, so taking that, as, as a leader now if I was thinking how am I going to go forward this year how am I going to go about my communication what are your thoughts on that what are your I guess I suppose advice if you're advising a leader in terms of helping them lead in this very new context than it was two years ago yeah um a great question you know I I, I have worked with different clients at different stages of their sophisticated different stages of sophistication in their communications planning you know leaders that have not done this before we kind of need to start at the beginning and we're establishing a foundation of that trust and credibility and a cadence of regular communication um you know it's it's so important that um, that trust is there. So, you know, if you look at Edelman's trust barometer over the past couple of years, even more now, I think they just released a study recently that um, their employees are still trusting their own leaders and CEOs more than any other source. So, you know, with, with that with that power comes great responsibility. Mm. Um, there's that very famous and very true quote that they they have a responsibility to be a source of information um, and a source of comfort and and, and news and um, direction uh, for for their employees. Um, so back to your question, you know, it depends on where we're starting from. You know, I've advised leaders that we need to just start a cadence because it just hasn't been. Um, done before. And you know, leaders that have a bit of cadence and have a bit of practice in communicating to their organizations, then we can get a little more sophisticated and look at what are the priorities? What do employees need to know? What do we want them to know? And where is you know, something in the middle where there's that gray area where we really need to do a lot of listening? And it's not just employees, it's all of the other stakeholders. Um, so internal and external stakeholders. So mm -hmm. you know, 
what what do they need to know? What do they want to know? What do we want them to know? And you know what's going to be important. Yeah, I think often we 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 get, we focus so much on the employees, which is important too. But actually, just as Mark was saying, we need to think about those people external, which are our customers, and and what are they thinking? What are they what we're saying to them? How are we interacting with them as well? Isn't it? Well, it's not just customers. It's it's a B two B. It's people that do business with your company. It's mm. the court of public opinion. It's media. You know, we have opinions on businesses and leaders, whether we do business with them or not. And the reputation and um, what how a company behaves is more and more tied to its value, um, monetary value, what a company is worth, what a brand is worth. Um, mm. There's more companies, um, more and more that are producing CSR reports. Um, and that is absolutely considered when analysts are looking at the true monetary value of a company. And mm. now you're looking at in the war for talent and the great reshuffling or resignation or um, you know, people finding more um, opportunities to work where they really feel that a company aligns with their values. So you know, there, there's monetary value, there's quali qualitative and quantitative value in all of that. And just going back to you said before about the whole uh, having an opinion on societal issues. Um, how do I guess organisations handle that? Because some of them are, are quite tricky and, and very difficult to handle, aren't they? And you know whether that was you know Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. uh, there's been other issues and, and other things that have come into the sort of media and how we embrace that. How do we? What do you do? I mean, it is, I guess I know it's different for each situation, but what's your sort of general? I guess, advice with that, because I think it's quite a challenge. It is quite a challenge. And, you know, the, the big answer is it depends. Um, it depends on what the expectations are and it depends on what platform do you have and do you have any business uh, talking about these societal issues and to what extent? You know, again, going back to big voices, big leaders, they're looked to as, um, as influencers, um, so, you know, they, there's more of an expectation for very visible leaders of very big companies with deep pockets to take a stand um, on societal issues. But even smaller organizations that are not very visible, there's an expectation within their own company on especially DE&I and, um, and, you know, taking care of employees. I think that my, my biggest piece of advice for companies and leaders looking at how do I either align myself with a cause or how do I handle corporate social responsibility? When do I get involved? When do I say something is, does it make sense? Do I have a history of talking about this topic? Mm -hmm. Does the topic really resonate with my company? Um, and just simply just do, does it make sense and what need does it serve? So again, there's um, you know, a difference with being very vocal externally as mm. well as vocal internally. And then also does that leader's vision, mission and stance align with the company's values and its customer values? We've seen some leaders take a complete departure and be very vocal about the either their political ideology or um, you know any societal issue that actually is at odds with what their company stands for and what their customers expect. And you've seen customers revolt. Um, and then you'll see companies kind of try to distance themselves from the um, from the personal beliefs of the leaders. Then you'll see leaders that actually do a very good job in making sure that they embody the values of their company and everything they do um, is in alignment. So making sure that you're aligned, making sure that you understand what your customers, your employees, and all your different stakeholders need, want, and expect. Well, that, that was um, uh, went from a depends to real sound advice there. So I <laughs> thought that was really helpful. That's oh, good. good. So if I was to ask you um, one word for you that would describe or you'd want to describe 2022, what, what, what would it be? Oh boy, um, my crystal ball is on my other shelf. I mean, <laughs> I think, um, you know, it, it's so, I, I think agility was, you know, the word that Mark used. I think it's a good one, um, being being nimble, um, 
See, hold on. <laughs> um, hold on. <laughs> hold, hold on. Hold, hold on to, to, to your chair. And, um, you know, I think uh, you're asking the communications expert to come up with one word and I just can't. It, it really is, um, you know, be, be aware and mm. uh, be nimble, be able to pivot. Um, yeah. You know, when we're, when you asked about communications planning, I'm in the midst of working with leaders or several, several of my clients for communications planning for the year with the caveat of this is wonderful. Um, this might look completely different next month. Um, <laughs> yes. So we need to be able to check in and revisit those priorities, reprioritize and um, even some grandiose plans that are set in the beginning, we might be trashing them uh, next quarter. So, yeah. Brilliant. I like I that. Completely, I completely watched that one word, but hopefully... No, 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 no. The, many words are good. The agility and that sort of being nimble. I suppose it's that sort of being fluid, I guess, isn't it? It's, it's that sort of expectation. We've got to remain fluid as, as things still pan out. Absolutely. Uh, and that's what's what taught me in the last sort of two years. Well, thank you for your time today, Cheryl. Much appreciated. Oh, it's so great to be back um, and can't wait for your 200. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Bye. Well, another one. Welcome, Con. Coach Con. <laughs> Happy Centennial, Julian. Happy Centennial. <laughs> thank you very much. Good to have you back. <laughs> Good yes, to be back. I'm, Yes, it's um yes, I'm I'm trying to manage everything here, but yes, I'm I'm all right. I'm doing okay. There we go. Good to have you back, and uh, I thank you for coming back. And um, I'm just going to tell the audience a little bit, get back up to speed who you are. Um, you're an author, you're an award-winning coach, uh, in-person and virtual facilitator results, and you help individuals and organisations navigate change and achieve their performance goals. So, um. I know last time we spoke about navigating through uncertainty, which feels, feels like a long time ago, but <laughs> we're still navigating uncertainty, I think. Uh, I think that's what uh, seems to be uh, the thing. And I guess, I, I suppose, what are your observations? I, I suppose it's a bit based on your, your, your own sort of LinkedIn feed, really. What are your observations on, I guess, the whole talent perspective of you know, what's been going on the last two years and how we're managing the uncertainty with talent. Uh, what, have you, what have you noticed in the last couple of years? Okay, well, let's unpack that because that's a pretty uh, interesting question. There's a lot, a lot of different ways we could go. Let me start with one way. Um, the pendulum has swung. We know that, that periodically the pendulum swings in one way or the other, meaning that the power of decision-making flows from the employer to the employee periodically, and it goes back and forth. Um, during the start of the pandemic early on in 2020, we saw that many organizations were making, um, as one of your previous guests may said it, data-driven decisions. And they made some calculations and said, you know what, we either have to let go, release, furlough, separate somehow and reduce our payroll costs. And those were decisions that were made based on the data, based on, on what their business priorities were at the time. And I think what they're realizing now is as the shift is going the other way, as the pendulum has swung the other way now, and employers are ready to restart, reboot, and get back into business. They expect all of a sudden those thousands of people that were released to automatically march back in and just take up their cubes and their offices again, as if nothing has happened in that time period. And that's just not happening. Um, we saw that repeatedly in our own lives. Your guests previously have mentioned it. It's We're seeing this prolonged switch and people are questioning, why am I here? What am I looking for? What is the purpose? And according to an interesting Harvard Business Review study, it says that the demographic group, that age group in their prime right now, that 30 to 45 year range, which are at their employee and their employment prime, if you will, they have enough maturity, they have, they're in that mid-level place where they, they want to grow and expand and contribute, are the ones that are being impacted the most right now in the sense that they are the ones that are resigning. They are the ones that are feeling and realizing that they have the ability to pick and choose where they go. And that's a huge shift in, in the power dynamics from that piece. So that's... And, 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 is, and is that sort of revelation, obviously we've all taken some time to reflect more, downtime flexible working, everything else. Is it 
are people discovering their purpose? Is that is that what it is? Is that, do you think it's that, or is it more than that? I think there's a big part of that because if if you can't help but a, a world changing event like the one that we've been experiencing the last two years is going to make you question things. It's going to qu- make you question what really matters to you with the, 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 the toll in, in human lives, with the toll in financial impact. Um, there are crises all over the place in the form of mental illness, emotional uh, discomfort from all of those things. One thing is piling on top of the other, and people are standing back because they have time to think about it, or they've had time over the past year or two to look back and say, okay, what am I doing here? What am I really here for? Is this all there is? And they're trading in their their badges of burnout and working 100 plus hours a week and saying, I don't want to work that hard. That's not what I'm here for. Life is too short. And it's really making them realize, stop and look and say what's going on. Somehow this great pause has stopped this hamster wheel and people are stopping. And for the first time in a long time, looking around and saying, why am I here? What am I doing? No, it's interesting, isn't it? And I think, you know, I think um, Carrie mentioned her word was f- fulfillment. Mm-hmm. I think people are looking for film- fulfillment now in their sort of uh, the day, their, their day job, their work, they do. They want to be fulfilled. It's more than just uh, getting paid and having sick pay and benefits and that. It's I want fulfillment. Yeah. Um, and, and study after study is showing that, Julian. And, and as I work with my clients, it's I'm realizing that there is truth to a lot of these numbers. In the, in, in the work that we're doing right now, up to this point, I mean, my, my, my shift has been, my, my focus has been, as things have progressed, to really help organizations make sure that they have that pipeline, that, 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 that stable of ready leadership talent to fulfill their strategies. Right now, this, this has left organizations in a situation where they're realizing that without the people, without the talent to execute their strategy, it's just a paper exercise. They really can't go anywhere. Many organizations, many businesses, smaller ones are closing down because they can't staff their operation. They don't have people to stay open. When my bank reaches out to me and said, hey, just be aware that sometimes during lunch, we may be closed or there may be just one person inside and you have to drive through because we can't operate the lobby anymore. We don't have Mm. enough people. When there's 10 million openings for 7 million unemployed in the United States, and that number is relative in other parts of the world where you are in other in the in the yeah. EU and everywhere else. I'm seeing similar things. And there are openings. It's not like we don't have jobs for people, but people are looking for that fulfillment. So if you're an organization right now and you want to remain at the forefront, you want to compete for talent, mm-hmm. knowing this fulfillment has become quite a thing, more so than it was uh, previously, how do we embrace that? How do we, I guess, practically work it in our organization that will attract talent? Um, because obviously we know that everybody can't be fu- completely fulfilled in the, in the work. There's other things outside right. that. But, so what, what, what can we do as, as organizations to help that fulfillment aspect? Well, what, what I've been working on as consulting and coaching with my clients is focus on what does that fulfillment and work mean? And in many ways, we use the term engagement. We use the term engagement as, as a measurement, as a, as a reference to how we can fulfill a lot of the needs of our, of our staff, a lot of the, our, our workforce needs. And when you look at that, there are four main drivers in that area, Julian. The first and foremost one is feeling valued. As, as, as a member of a team, you want to feel valued. You want to know where you fit into this picture. You want to know that, you know what, it matters whether I'm here or not. And we can do that. Leaders can do that, can reach out one-on-one or in personal aspects. Cheryl mentioned it earlier, our, our communication expert, and said, you know what, whether you're doing it in when you have the opportunity to meet face-to-face, whether you're doing it in through, through Zoom or other means, reach out to people. Be authentic. Mm-hmm. And here's where you and I have talked about the leadership paradox, because that's another thing that leaders need to realize. When you're expressing that value, you need to embrace that leadership paradox, meaning that you can no longer afford to be this or that. You have to be both. You have to be empathetic on one hand and understand where your people are in the given moment. People mm-hmm. are still reeling from this. It's not like all of a sudden, like Jamie Diamond said, I can't wait for us to get back to normal. It's not going back to that normal that we knew before. Mm. 
So we have to be empathetic and understand that people still have fears. They're agonizing over things. They're, they're feeling the, the impact of that, the pandemic fatigue and everything else. So be empathetic. But on the other hand, focus on tough love. Be in a situation where your team expects you to be able to set the healthy boundaries. To re Don't let them have to decide what to work on. Help them prioritize. Help them mm. look at their work differently and say, you know what, Julian, I don't need you working at 2 o'clock at night after you put the kids to bed. Because you're going to burn out. This is a long haul. This isn't even a marathon. It's an ultra marathon. You and I have mm. talked about that concept. It's mm. been going on for a long time, and it still will continue longer. So we got to embrace that. Empathy, tough love. we got to look at things and say, okay, high tech. We have the technology now to be able to do a lot of work. But how do we embrace that higher human touch? Be authentic. Reach out and say, hey, Julian, how are you really doing? No, no, no. Don't, don't just brush it off. How are you really doing? And have those personal moments. Use the technology to make it even more personal from that piece and understand how to connect. So feeling valued, that's the one piece that we want to make sure our people have, Julian. The second piece is use that same technology and that concept of, of personal high human touch to help people be connected, not just to you, but to the rest of the team. How can we establish those? Because the more we make sure that people feel connected, the greater the chance of them will to stay with us, to be engaged, to fulfill their job. People that feel connected are eight times more likely to stay and contribute from that piece. These are numbers that are real. I mean, when you look at it, do I have a good friend? Do I have a support system in my, in my work network? How can I help with that? So that is, is big. The next thing is contributing. Do people feel like they're contributing? Do they feel like they're making a dis difference or are they just out there somewhere on their own? So when we look at that is, as leaders, what can we do? Make sure that you have very tangible pieces that people can feel that they can succeed with. Give them their priorities. Give them manageable parts of the work. No longer manage based on how many hours have you been in front of your computer, Julian, but rather what did you get done? You've mentioned it even today, results-based work. How can I feel like I'm contributing? Because I can check something off. We all love to check things off our list. We all like to feel like we're making a difference. And when we do make a difference, let people know. Don't worry about exit interviews. Worry about stay interviews. Get together with people and talk to them about what matters to them. And the final part is we've seen this over and over again. Even last year in 2021 and even before most of 2020, people shifted their focus to learning and growing. They realized that they may have to retool. We all did. And this downtime was a great opportunity for us to continue to grow. Companies have the opportunity now to continue, whether it's on the job, whether it's through mentoring and coaching to connect people to mm -hmm. others in the organization or formal training like the workshops that we do, Julian, and giving people the opportunity to grow because when they can see a career path within the organization, they can feel more engaged. They can feel more fulfilled. These are four keys, four simple things, not easy, but simple things that leaders can do today to move forward with that. Yeah. And it just, you mentioned about that sort of being valued and connected. And some of the thoughts that came out of that for me was that, creating a sort of psychological safe environment as well where people feel they can contribute they can challenge they can learn mm -hmm. they can make mistakes it's okay to fail uh, and i think that's really important as well it's creating that environment that people feel they can they can really expand themselves and not be mocked or made a fool of if they do make a mistake or be sacked or whatever it may be yeah and that's the time. I mean, look at it over over time, Julian, if I may interject for a second. I mean, yeah. what are we dealing with? We're dealing with a big, huge shift in transition. We've gone through the grieving piece early on, and we, sometimes we still go through that, the loss of our old life. We're in that middle stage still, that prolonged middle stage right now where we're transitioning before we get to that next normal. Now is the time to allow for experimentation, for risk-taking, to allow give people permission to fail as they try mm -hmm. to explore new ways of doing things because we're all in the same boat. If there was ever a time for us to experiment with that, that risk-taking was within the boundaries, now's that time. Absolutely. And as we as we look out in this year and we know there's still uncertainty, uncertainty is it's there, it is, and we've, we've sort of got used to it, but how, how we, how, what advice would you give to a leader right now and they're trying to, you know, recruit people, 
keep people on board? What would be your, with this uncertainty of business, uncertainty of customers, uncertainty of governments imposing various things, mm-hmm. uh, what would be your sort of advice on that? It would be, again, engage them in the solution. You don't have, a, as a leader, I mean, we're all updating our playbook right now, our leadership playbook. And that's where the paradox come in. That's where all of these ideas come in. But leaders have to accept that they don't have all the answers right now. The answers may lie with their people. Embrace that. Engage them in solution finding. When people feel like they are engaged in the solution finding, when they feel like they're part of that, they can contribute in that way and engage, Mm -hmm. they can help shape the future of what's happening. They don't have to sit around and wait for us to do something to them. We need to do something with them. And that's the big key right now. Yeah, engagement. I like that. And just just before we we, we finish with you, uh, Con, um, what, what one word would describe this year for you or you'd like it to be this year? One word. If I was to limit it down to one word, it would be embrace. Embrace the uncertainty embrace the expectations, embrace the challenges, embrace all of those things and embrace the partnerships that we can work together. Excellent. I really like that. Thank you very much for for being on today. Thank you for coming back. Um, Short, but very sweet. Uh, We appreciate that. (laughs) Happy 100. And I look forward to the next 100, my friend. Brilliant. Thank you, Carl. Appreciate that. Take care. Bye. Welcome, Jim. (laughs) Hey, Julian. Congratulations, man. Happy 100. Thank you. Good to have you on, Mr. Kerr. It's always good to have you on. Um, you're, you're, the, you're the finale now, Jim. So no no, uh, no sort of expectations or, or challenge there for you, but you are the finale of this. Um, yes, it's been good. I usually so, am. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just uh, let, let the, the audience just get up to speed again uh, with who you are. Um, you, you help leaders make change happen. You're a management consultant and you're a leadership coach. Um, and you've written numerous books on leadership. Um, uh, one which is behind you, uh, The Indispensable, uh, being indispensable. Uh, so, um, uh, and you came on, I think, probably over a year ago now since I last spoke to you. So, Thanks. um, I'd like, <laughs> yeah, I'd like to get your, your thoughts on the last two years. Just, you know, what have you picked up? What, what sort of trends and, and what what i guess what positive trends have emerged from in a leadership context uh, over the last uh, couple of years well you know one of the things that i'm finding now is rather than kind of looking backwards and saying oh wow you know we've had to get over a lot we've had to persevere we've had to be empathetic we've had to learn how to work remotely you know, all that stuff is given what I'm trying to do is look forward what what do we and what do leaders top leaders need to be worrying about as they look into 2022 and beyond. And there's a few things that I think are key, and there are things that I'm not seeing people write about so much, so I'm thinking that I may just tackle some of that stuff in my writing this year. And uh, I'm already seeing clients call and talk to me about these things, so I think there's some, uh, some interest there. And that includes stuff like what I guess I would call the pandemic dividend, You know, there were companies that were very successful and grew astronomically over the last couple of years. And they've got a huge head start for anybody, you know, uh, competing with them. So what are you going to do to catch up? Where's the strategy? What's the game plan? How are you going to be able to offset the gains that some of your competitors have made? Another one that I see happening right now is sort of stakeholder capitalism. And that's the notion that it's not just investors and owners that a business should be about, you know, delivering growth to, but their workforce, their customers, society in general. And, And what's our strategy now as top leadership to address this trend? I don't think it's going anywhere. And interestingly, an earlier guest of yours, Cheryl, mentioned, uh, you know, the uh, Edelman Trust uh, Barometer. And one of the, the very interesting findings for me that came out of this year's Trust Barometer was that 68% of respondents said, and this is sort of the third trend that I'm keeping an eye on, that I expect CEOs to step in when government fails. And the recent Supreme Court 
uh, ruling about you know mandatory vaccinations and so on is a strong indication that top leaders are going to have to take a stance and decide for their organizations what you know their policy is going to be on things like that. So I see those as three big things that we've got to help our leaders think about and get their arms around and devise strategies and tactics to to handle. And yes, okay, we do need to be sympathetic. We do need to be empathetic. We do need to manage people in remote locations and all of that. But let's take it past that. And let's really think about some of the implications of what we just lived through. So just diving into that that pandemic um, dividends, that whole sort of where you're saying that some organizations absolutely boomed during the last couple of years, nature of their business, or they... They were agile, whatever it is, they, they boomed. And you're saying that potentially could be our competitors that you're saying that, or some competitive organizations. I guess, what, what is the, I guess, the strategy of them playing that catch up again, it, rather than just looking at them and thinking, oh my goodness, they've done really well and we haven't. <laughs> so, you know, what are, what are you talking to uh, companies about in terms of helping them, I guess, play that catch up if they've, they've well, missed something? Right. I mean, part of it, let's let's really think through what's really been going on. You know, the great resignation, everyone points at, oh, my God, it's so hard to find people, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what's happening out there is a lot of these folks that have resigned have started businesses. And some of them are going to be very, very successful. They're going to be introducing innovations and, and, break, and have breakthrough thinking that companies can really leverage. So one of the ideas that I'm working with uh, clients on is, Let's identify these these emerging organizations and figure out how to fold those into our strategy so that we can better compete. Almost like incubator type sort of Yeah, businesses. I mean, I think there's stuff like that, that that can definitely be folded into a strategy to help a business compete and catch up with those that maybe uh, took a... Uh, uh, you know, sort of a, a a big gain over the last couple of years. So if you're competing with the the Zooms of the world, if you're competing with Amazon, if you're competing with, um, you know, Uber Eats and that kind of stuff, what here are some of the things that you're going to have to start to to do if you're not already in order to uh, remain competitive. And are we t- talking there a bit of a mindset? shift though aren't we in terms of how you view your own business how you view your people and how you i guess leverage that intel and that that capability i guess isn't it yeah for sure julian you know the the thing is the the mind uh, mindset is is definitely uh, a terrible thing to waste <laughs> so if we spend if we spend a lot of our time worrying about yesterday and what happened and oh my god and we're victims and all that stuff that i see a lot of people still writing about and talking about then i think we're missing the point and and the point is Mm -hmm. if we've got that positive growth mindset if we're looking at the world as one of abundance instead of scarcity then one of the things we've got to be able to do is look ahead and keep going forward and have a vision for where we want to be articulate that vision motivate our people to get excited about it engage them and then mm. unleash them and that's how we're going to win that's how we're going to sustain our businesses that's how we're going to grow and i guess it's what i guess con was talking about is about engaging people getting people to feel valued and then they'll start to contribute and actually i think people forget how much information not information insights is within their business yeah you know and actually if you utilize your people well and reward them well and you know set up whether it's an incubator schemes that can start to create companies within companies you'd be surprised how you can achieve far more i mean i know uh, i think it was was it google uh, sort of changed the way they did in terms of making meetings you had to make a decision at the end of every meeting if, if there's no decision making in the, in the in the room then it's not a meeting we don't happen and it just exploded the innovation pipeline and it's just creating different ways of working that can start to really go after this new ways of working or innovation whatever it may be 
Yeah, for sure. You know, I and I, and I think the the notion of being able to engage your people in such a way that they aren't part of the great resignation, but rather they're part of let's, you know, let's see what happens next when they get excited about being there, when they see themselves being successful within the vision that you've articulated, when you create a culture that allows for that kind of collaboration and growth and so on, then, then I think the world's your oyster. You know, you've got, you've got the power times a hundred, you know what I mean? To be able to go out there and really, uh, uh, you know, devastate the competition, if you will. Mm. Um, I touched on this with, with Cheryl really about the whole, you know, communicating or get involved in societal issues. And, and you talk about how the expectation is for the CEO or the leader of the business to step up a bit to challenge potential government sort of guidelines in whatever they do um, again how are you seeing that play out and 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 how do you see that sort of having an impact on a, on a business in terms of them growing going forward well again i think it starts with the vision and then i think it it needs to be uh socialized or institutionalized through follow-up so it's one thing to articulate a vision and get people to see where you want to go. And then it's following up with the actions that are necessary to actually really hook them in so that they really feel like they're part of something special. You know, that it's part of the human condition to want to be part of something bigger than oneself. And if we can deliver that as top leaders to our staffers, then we've got them for life. They're going to want to be part of this because it's so exciting, it's so compelling, they can be so successful by following this and achieving this vision. So it's, not, it's really up to top leaders to, to, to say where we're going and then engage, certainly train them up and prepare them, and then unleash them. You know, micro, there's no place for micromanagement. It's gotta be about getting people ready to lead and then let them lead. And I think you end up in some pretty great places when you do that as a top leadership team. Well, it's that notion of, you know, inspire people where you want to go, almost get them all almost pointing towards the sun of, of your vision. And then, you know, go get type of thing, you know, enable them, you know, yeah. give them the resource they need. Uh, right. And you'd be surprised that there's a risk to that because they might do things you never even thought of, <laughs> surprisingly. <laughs> uh, you know, right. they, they might create some amazing things. Um, Absolutely. And if, if you, to, and I've asked all, all the guests to sum up this year you'd like to see uh, in one word for 2022, uh, what would be from your perspective? Well, you know, I, I, I've got to say it's indispensable. <laughs> that, that would be my one word. You know, you want you want this. Here's our opportunity. I don't know what happens really beyond today, but, you know, we've got now. And let's stop lamenting about what just happened. And let's get on with what we've got to do to, to build these compelling businesses and keep them, mm. uh, you know, uh, exciting places to be and, and delivering impeccable products and services. Yep, I, I wouldn't be surprised that you came up with indispensable. I would have been disappointed, Jim, if actually you not said it. <laughs> it's been your mantra for certainly the last 12, 18 months I've known you. So, uh, yeah. Right. Thank you. Well, well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for your uh, sharing your, your wisdom and your thoughts and um, some key things there. So that's really good. Appreciate your time today, Jim. Julian, thanks a lot. It's great to be part of your 100th episode, man. Congratulations. And again, cheers. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye then. Well, thank you for those who, who listen to the show. Uh, would really appreciate you do rate and review the show. And if you want to know uh, when episodes are released, uh, then do subscribe. Uh, also tell your friends and colleagues about the show. Would really appreciate that. And, and, and a big thank you to all my guests over the last 18 months who've come on the show, and especially to those who have come on today. Thank you very much. Goodbye. If you like this episode, then please do rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As a consultancy, we help SMEs build resilient, high-performing teams and businesses quickly so they can innovate, deliver, and thrive. If you'd like to build a resilient team and business that creates, innovates, and delivers, then do get in touch at julianrobertsconsulting.com.